O Lord, our Maker, Redeemer, and Comforter, we are assembled in your presence to hear your holy word. We pray you to open our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that through the preaching of your word, we may be taught to repent of our sins, to believe on Jesus in life and death, and to grow day by day in grace and holiness. Hear us for Christ's sake. Amen. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, I have sinned against you through my own fault in thought, word, and deed, for the sake of the suffering, death, and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on me, forgive me all my sin, and bring me to everlasting life. Amen. The Old Testament lesson is recorded in Isaiah chapter 55, beginning at verse 10. For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy, and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth with, into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Here ends the Old Testament lesson. Epistle lesson is recorded in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, the 11th chapter, beginning at verse 19. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. To our shame I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone else is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches, who is weak, and I am not weak, who is made to stumble, and I do not burn with indignation, if I boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Eratos the king, 
was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desiring to arrest me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I do not know, God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities." For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Here ends the epistle lesson. The Holy Gospel is recorded in the Gospel according to St. Luke, the 8th chapter, beginning at verse 4. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, you give power to the faint and strength to those who have no might. Look mercifully, we beseech you, on our low estate, and cause your grace to triumph in our weakness, that we may arise and follow in the way of righteousness those who by their faith and patience have already inherited the promises through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our sermon text is recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Fellow redeemed, why is God doing this to me? What am I being punished for? What wrong have I done? Have you ever asked questions like these? We ask these questions when we experience troubles and afflictions, sufferings and hardships. In the throes of suffering, we are tempted to question the grace and mercy of God, even his fairness and justice. How can this come from the hand of a loving Lord? In his word, the Lord assures us that he never withdraws his loving hand from his children and that we are always the objects of his gracious care. In our text, we are again reminded of this truth. As God tells the Apostle Paul and us, God's grace is all you need. God's grace is all you need to silence your bragging. In our text, Paul acts somewhat out of character. Instead of the humble Paul, bowing before Christ on the road to Damascus, he returns to his old way of speaking before he was brought to faith in Jesus. He is bragging, bragging about his family tree, bragging about his service to God. Why? He does this to make a point. Certain false teachers, super apostles, had in, infiltrated the Corinthian congregation. They had replaced the pure gospel of grace with the teaching of works righteousness, a return to reliance on the ceremonial law, teaching that what we do contributes to our salvation. Such teaching led to boasting. Look what I can do. Look at what a holy life I live. Look at how many rules I keep. It is easy for us as believers who have a desire to lead a God-pleasing life, to start to think that we aren't as susceptible to the same temptations others are. When we compare ourselves to those living in outward open sin, we start to think that compared to them, we're doing pretty well at keeping God's commandments. We experience spiritual amnesia, forgetting that we too are sinners, sinners by nature and sinners in our actions, that we are sinners who are saved by grace alone. Paul is here boasting to beat the false teachers at their own game, to show the ridiculousness of bragging. God's grace is all you need to silence your bragging. When it comes to salvation, our works count for nothing. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. By grace, our imperfect works are taken from us and placed on Christ, who suffered the punishment we deserve. 
By grace, through faith, Christ's righteousness is credited to us. Even the works and service we render to God and our neighbor as Christians are not something we can take credit for. They are not our works, but Christ working in us. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Secondly, God's grace is all you need to strengthen you in weakness. Strength is an admirable quality. Everybody wants to be strong. Nobody wants to be weak. The physically strong always have an advantage over the physically weak. The world relies on such strength. Nations vie with each other for military might. They depend on the strength of arms to secure supremacy in the world and often use their strength to suppress the weak. Athletes train strenuously to develop strength. Because the strong are winners, the weak are losers. Since that is the case, how can Paul say, I will not boast except in my infirmities? And for when I am weak, then I am strong. In his calling as pastor, Paul identifies with the weakness of the Corinthian congregation, saying, Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. We like to think that we can do something ourselves to become more holy. We'd like to be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, even in spiritual matters. When we are guilty, we think, I'll try harder. I resolve not to do such and such a sin again, but it's never enough. As long as our righteousness depends on something we do, it will never be enough. We will not have the assurance of salvation found only in the grace of God alone in Christ. But Jesus says to Paul and to us, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus told his disciples, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Because of our sinful nature, our flesh is weak. How often we give in to temptation. We may even find ourselves committing the same sins over and over again because we are too weak to resist them. On our own, we are unable to defend ourselves against the devil who attacks us at our weakest points. He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Only God's grace can give us strength to overcome temptation. 1 Corinthians tells us the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. In our weakness and temptation, we can turn to Christ for strength. Not only has he experienced our weakness and battled our temptation, but he has overcome it for our sakes to save us from our sin. As we read in the letter to the Hebrews, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. God's grace is all you need to strengthen you in weakness. The grace of God makes us forget whatever human strength we may have and depend entirely on the strength supplied by the Lord. The strong think they have no 
need of help and do not seek it. The weak know our need and lay hold of the Lord's strength. Just as was the case with Paul, the Lord manifests his strength in our weakness. Jesus invites us in our weakness to look to him for strength, saying, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. God, in his grace, sent Jesus Christ to suffer and die on the cross for our sins. This grace comes to us personally through the means of grace, God's word and sacraments, which bring to us the forgiveness of sins and strengthen us to overcome temptation and remain firm in affliction. In the words of one of the first hymns we learn as children, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. God's grace is all you need to comfort you in affliction. Paul lists many afflictions he experienced as a follower of Christ. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things which come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. As if these afflictions weren't enough, he points to one particular affliction that was given to him precisely that he might not think too highly of himself and be exalted by others. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. What was this thorn? Perhaps it was a chronic physical problem, or deluded Christian leaders, or hard-hearted Israelites. Paul's thorn is fuller, further described as a messenger of Satan. Satan was an unwitting tool of God in this respect. Satan would have seen this thorn as an opportunity to, to bring evil upon a child of God. But God used the thorn to accomplish his good purpose of keeping Paul humble. Paul says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Paul's prayers are reminiscent of Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus also prayed three times, asking the Lord to take the cup from him. The writer to the Hebrews gives us this very graphic picture of the situation. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. As Jesus learned obedience as he struggled in prayer, so also Paul learned to pray, like Jesus, thy will, not mine, be done. Like Paul, we experience weariness and toil, sleepliness, sleeplessness, and daily concerns as we struggle with the afflictions that come into our lives, whether they take the form of physical problems such as illness, disease, sickness, the emotional stress of losing a job, or the daily grind of work and home life. Like Jesus and like Paul, the Lord invites us to call upon him in affliction, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. 
From the examples of Jesus and Paul, we see God indeed answers prayer, but he answers in his own way and own time. Jesus had prayed for the, his cup of suffering to be removed. His father's answer was not to remove the cup, but to send angels to strengthen him to drink it. Paul had prayed for his thorn in the flesh to be removed. The Lord's answer was not to remove the thorn, but to assure him that his strengthening grace would enable him to cope with it. My power, the Lord said to him, is made perfect in weakness. The Lord brought positive good out of both situations. By drinking the cup, Jesus paid the ransom price of death to win forgiveness for the world. By continuing to suffer with his thorn, Paul kept the spotlight shining on Jesus rather than on himself. Not all requests that we bring to God in prayer are granted in the way we have in mind. Yet, we must not lose sight of the truth that every Christian prayer is heard and answered by the Lord. We can never say that God isn't listening or that he doesn't care. His plans for us may just be different from what we think they should be. It is not for us to prescribe the time when he should help, nor the manner in which he does. Sometimes we may be so determined that our way is the only way that we don't recognize God's answer when he gives it. God answers our prayer according to his divine wisdom and not necessarily according to our wishes, no matter how frequently and fervently we plead with him to grant the answer we are looking for. God did not give the answer Paul was looking for, but God did answer Paul's prayer according to his own purpose and plan. My grace is sufficient for you, he told Paul. God was reminding Paul, that we are completely dependent on his grace. God's grace is all you need to comfort you in affliction. By faith, Paul could assert so positively, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God deals with his children today no differently than he did with Paul. He has not made us immune to temptation, to weakness or affliction, but we can be certain that those difficult times in our lives are not for our harm, but come with the Lord's knowledge and will serve the purpose he has in mind for us. God uses our weakness and affliction to silence our bragging and to teach us that God's grace is all you need. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, as now, and will be forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord of the harvest, you send down your word to earth to give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. You are living and active among us, calling us to repentance and raising us to new life. Lead us not to temptation, and protect us from the crafts and assaults of the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh, which do not want us to hallow your name, nor let your kingdom come. Lord of the harvest, we give you thanks for all your tender mercies. Implant in us your holy word, that in good and honest hearts we may keep him. 
Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers into your harvest, that we may be preserved in the pure teaching of your saving word, whereby faith toward you is strengthened, charity increased in us toward all, and your kingdom extended in all the world. Lord of the harvest, grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially our president, our governor, and all who serve in our armed forces. Endue them with wisdom so that they may serve to the maintenance of righteousness and the hindrance and punishment of wickedness. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Lord of the harvest, be with all who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who mourn the loss of Donald Jordahl and John Molstead, their families and friends. Comfort them, O God, by your Holy Spirit, that they may trust in Jesus and his victory over death, which is ours through faith in him. Lord of the harvest, preserve us from false and pernicious teachings, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pandemic, from failure of harvest and famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. At every time, show yourself to be a very present help in trouble. Lord of the harvest, grant that in true faith we may worthily go to your altar to receive the very body and blood that your Son hath given for our redemption. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that through your Son, Jesus Christ, you have sown your holy word among us. We pray that you would prepare our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that we may diligently and reverently hear your word, keep it in good hearts, and bring forth fruit with patience, and that we may not incline to sin, but subdue it by your power. And in all persecutions, comfort ourselves with your grace and continual help. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Mm -hmm.